5: Ronananian. Here's a 10-year-old Toyota Prius that in 10 years, eight years prior of being serviced by the dealer, it was almost 43 pages of service history in, in, in a little over eight years.
4: The Car Doctor. I did uh, run scan tool and I'm not pulling a code on
5: it. Okay, and the reason you're not pulling a code is because the computer thinks
4: everything is normal. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But
5: I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Is there a moment where your mechanic owes you one? Maybe perhaps not to diagnose the problem all the way through. Maybe to just take you from A to D real quick and real fast diagnostic problem. You kind of know the answer before you get started. Is he responsible for that or is he doing you a disservice? We're going to talk about that this hour in a little bit, but right now let's kick the garage doors open. Let's get uh, let's get started on the phones right away. Mike in Iowa, 07 Chevy Tahoe, a voltage problem. Mike, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
4: Good morning. Yes, sir. I've got trouble with my Tahoe. It, the meter, I can read on the car, it says it's above 14. Right. Amps coming through, and then all of a sudden I'm driving, and it just drops down to slowly down to like twelve. All right,
5: uh, fourteen. I'll vo- shut it for- off. Fourteen volts, Mike. Volts, yes. right? Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, you shut it off, and it goes back up to fourteen.
4: Exactly. All
5: right. And, and it'll
4: drive for a little while, and it'll do it again, and then uh, I can go for a couple days, and it won't do it.
5: Okay. Um, it, this is an '07 Tahoe, right? Yes. And and which engine is this?
4: It's the five three.
5: All right. Um, any dashboard lights on? Other than that, nope. Been, been going on for a while.
4: Yeah, a couple months.
5: All right. Is it something new that you just noticed that it wasn't always like this?
4: No, I've drove it for months. I mean, and no problem. Okay, but
5: but you know, how long have you owned the vehicle? Since
4: uh, about six six months.
5: All right, and you noticed it when five months ago or six months ago since you got it?
4: Like two months ago, I've noticed. It. Right. I've been battling it for about two months.
5: All right, so my question becomes, or my commentary becomes this. This vehicle uses something called an EPM, an electrical power management system, all right, where the computer looks at charge rate, and it makes a determination how to run the alternator. The, the onboard computer is in charge of the alternator. Sometimes it's not going to put make that alternator put out 14 volts. Sometimes it's going to drop at the 12.5, all right? And this is not an uncommon occurrence or comment on an 07 or, you know, a Tahoe of this generation, all right? The way we would diagnose this is, believe it or not, first thing we would do is scan it for codes. Are there any charging system errors, all right? You know, does it it show any charging system errors? Have you gotten that far with it, or you're strictly going by voltmeter? No, I haven't. Okay.
4: I'm just strictly going with what i do
5: all right so if because i almost guarantee if you look at the battery cables on this maybe you can tell me the battery cables on this the positive cable will have it'll look like an amp clamp around it right a, 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 a right. black right yeah that's they're they're measuring state of charge of the battery and they're monitoring it and then they're making adjustments for how they want to run the alternator that epm system the electrical power management system actually right. has the ability to put the truck in fuel economy mode the battery voltage drops to about 12.5 volts and the vehicle runs they're 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 trying to save fuel By charging less, less load on the alternator means less load on the engine. And I'm I'm not gonna sit here and argue the the ideas behind this because I think we're splitting hairs. Because I I already hear what you're thinking. Like, is Ron making this up? No, dude, this is right out of the GM service manual. All right, this is what they're thinking. Um, It goes into fuel economy mode. And, you know, all is well. You've gotta look for codes in the BCM, the body module, and the ECM, the engine module and if the battery tests good and the alternator puts out under an alternator full test <laughs> that's it um okay. you know they've they've actually come out with a couple of bulletins describing it if you've got a pencil handy get your hands on GM bulletin 06-06-03-013 um, I believe there's an A, B, C, and D version, which and there probably is an E by now, um, which you know kind of tells you that GM's had more than a few people asking this question. Um, how come my volt gauge goes all over the place? Uh, you know, it's 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 an interesting scenario, right? You you think it's well,
4: I've never had a problem with it, right? And I mean, you won't I've never had a dead battery or anything, yeah. but.
5: And, and you won't. It you just me. you you just think it's broken. <laughs> um, right. You know, it's you know I, I've got to tell you, and I I I I I've, for years have said, if I could only take somebody, and that's what I try to do here on the show, I try to take you guys into the shop on the weekend when I'm, you know, there Monday through Friday and talk about things that I've seen and the experiences, because, yeah, you, you know, you look at a charging system problem like this, and this is this is old technology, Mike. This is a 15-year-old vehicle, all right, or a 15-year-old mm-hmm. system, I, right. You know, never in my wildest imagination as a young kid in the '70s, starting out, you know, looking at charging system, GM charge rate was always 14.2 to 14.5. You knew the number. You know, now it's like I don't know <laughs> what mode is it in, what load is on the engine, what's the state of charge of the battery. <laughs> um, you know, yep. h- how much gas mileage do we want to get? Um, y- you know, it's 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 they've just made it you know so involved that um, it, it it to my point. As you've heard me and everyone else has heard me say, I question, how are we going to do electric cars? This isn't a conversation about are electric cars viable, but just from a technical and an infrastructure point of view, we're splitting hairs down to the nth degree that we're still having problems with the general public and the industry understanding charge rates on 07 Tahoes. How are we going to deal with electrical systems, electrical cars? Uh, you know what a world we live in, so
4: but I don't, I can't understand it either. That's yeah, that's it's, amazed it's, me. Yeah, it's well, it you must know, be working.
5: So, someone once said, "Common sense isn't common anymore," and I think that's probably.
4: Well, that is uh, so true. That is
5: a very true statement. So, all right, sir. If if you have access okay. to, if you have access to a scanner, scanner for codes, and um, no codes, battery test good, <laughs> you're done. Um, if you want to take it out of fuel saver mode, if you put some kind of electrical load on that charge system, you should see a good response. You know, put uh, turn the headlights on high beam, turn the blower on, turn the AC on, put a heavy load on electrical load on the system. That works in just about every car out there. And you may want to, with the holidays coming up, if you don't have one, buy an, uh, an, a clamp on amp meter. You know, voltage and amps is is what we're always right. Looking i was for. thinking of buying one
4: of them. Yeah, it's I was uh, thinking of it.
5: Yeah, it's um. You know, he who has the but most. And I put
4: a load on it, and I've never seen nothing jump on the gauge at all. It just stays steady.
5: Yeah, just, just, just watch it at a voltmeter. Watch it at the battery. Um, okay. Wh- one thing I've always encouraged people to do is never look at the thing that might be broken for the answer. Right? <laughs> you know, because That's true. because the other side of this is, you you could have. You could have, and I'm glad you said that because it just occurred to me, you could have a problem where this is more related to the instrument panel has a problem. And the, the vehicle isn't showing lower charge rate if you measure it at the battery. This might be an instrumentation problem. So, you know, hence the different approach to diagnosis, the need to scan it, the need to go through some of the other things that we're talking about um, as an approach to resolving this. I don't think you have a problem. I think what you're seeing is, is what you see is what you get. It's real. And um, I think you'll be just fine. But try try scanning it and working way backwards from there. I appreciate the call, Mike. Let's pull over and take a pause. 855-560-9900. The Car doctor's coming back right after this.
3: Do you love Selena?
6: Like, really love?
3: Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano.
2: Listen to more than a movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast.
9: We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room.
6: We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right, Listen to Rappaport's
9: reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me,
6: Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It's
4: the little only from Pasadena. He drives that way, but when it comes to fixing cars, Ron has car advice done right. 855 560 9900. Here's Ron. Hey, we want to do a shout out
5: and welcome to WMXI up down there in Laurel. Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And uh, thank them for carrying the show, 98.1 on the FM dial, WMXI. Glad to make you guys part of the Car Doctor family. Thanks for uh, being supportive. Let's get over and talk to Eunice in Wisconsin, 09 Camry, and some issues with shifting, it looks like. Eunice, welcome to the Car Doctor.
10: Well, thank you, and thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. (laughs) Yes, I think my problem is probably more aggravating than dangerous, but it's I still don't like it. It's like the car is locked in park when I go to drive, and I don't drive. Um, I'm retired, so I only drive like maybe two days a week these days. Okay. And it, uh, you know, you push on the brake. It's supposed to unlock the the shifter. Yeah. Uh,
5: so you can shifter. shift, right?
10: hmm And it doesn't. And it doesn't always. Okay. Sometimes it takes quite a few times.
5: All right. Well, wh- where do you park the car?
10: In the garage.
5: All right. Um, so there's a garage door behind you. Yes. It, it's, there's, a, there's a point to this. Okay. Um, so if you were to get in the car, um, you have an automatic garage door, Eunice? Yes. Okay. So you could actually get into the car with the garage door closed. Now, be careful with this because there's a, there's an issue here, but I'm, I'm trying to make a point. And if you were to sit in the car with the door closed and step on the brake you would see the brake light reflection in the garage door, correct? Have you ever Probably. tried? Probably. I, tr- I don't
10: you... believe I've ever done that. Okay. But the, okay.
5: The, the point I'm making is, because what I'm going to ask you to do is, if you could start the car, step on the brake, and see if it shifts, and then open the door all at the same time. Because obviously I don't want you sitting in a garage with the door closed. Okay? Um, I just don't know of any other way unless there's somebody else in the house that could tell you if the car goes into, and the point I'm trying to make a, a, a long way around here is that if you step on the brake and there's no brake lights, the shifter won't release because that's telling me that the brake light switch You have to step on the brakes in order to release the shifter switch, and if the brake light switch isn't working for whatever reason, there's no brake lights lit up, that shifter will not come out of park, and you could have the beginnings of a bad brake light switch. Does that make sense?
10: Okay. Um, Sure. I'm not very mechanical or technical I'm afraid. Okay, so here let's um, let's
5: let let me walk it let me walk you through but it like this. I can this. certainly do that. Yeah, let me let me walk you through it like this. When you step on the brake, the brake lights come on, right? I think so. Okay. So in a, you know in a perfect world, you step on the brakes, the brake lights come on because there's a switch like a light switch on the wall of of your house. You turn on the brake lights. The brake light switch powers up the bulbs in the back of the car. To tell the person behind you that you're stopping and it also sends an electrical signal over to a computer and a shift lock solenoid you know there was going to be a computer involved here somewhere right sure. and, <laughs> and that releases the switch or the solenoid at the base of the shifter so that you can pull it out of park if if the brake lights don't work then the shifter solenoid and the shifter circuit's never being activated and that shifter won't come out of park period Okay. All right. Now, there may that be an override. Sense. You could look in your look at your shifter, look at your console. There's likely an override. Either there's a slot that you could put your key in to manually pull the shifter out of park. All right? And then you could actually start the car in neutral and then put it in reverse or drive, whatever you want it to do. Or there might be some type of a button. There's usually some form, some form of an override device on the shifter. They just make you work to do it. But they want you to be able to get the car home if you know how to do it in the first place. Um, has anybody tried to diagnose this at all?
10: Well... Uh, Sort of, but not really. I um, only have it serviced down at the dealership where I bought it. Okay. And um, when I told them about it, when I went in for an oil change, they said, well, it won't do it for us. Maybe you're not pushing on the brake hard enough, and we can't diagnose or fix anything if it won't work. I mean, if it it doesn't miswork while we're doing it. Okay. You know, and so they were like zero Right. as far as helpfulness, well, and it has gotten worse. Um, it's it's not necessarily every time, but probably half of the time when I want to, you know, if I'm out running errands, most of the time it works, but then all of a sudden it doesn't.
5: You know, there's another way to do this, too, If if the dealer wants to you know, work yeah, with you. I'm thinking
10: buy a Mazda, but you know that's
5: nah. just me. Nah, it's listen. <laughs> you know, run, running away from the problem doesn't because you know what? That next new car, it, the next new car can get a flat tire two blocks from the house, so it doesn't. I know. It, it doesn't always solve the problem. So how about this? All right, and this is this is fairly simple and easy to do. A repair shop doesn't matter if it's a dealer, or whoever could wire in a small bulb down by your feet, off the brake light switch. All right. And we do this all the time at the shop. I'll wire in a bulb. Um, It depends on what I'm working on. I've been known to wire in bulbs, four different sockets, four different colors. And all I ask the person is, tell me what color bulb came on. In your case, you only need one. You need a white light. Every time you step on the brake, that bulb will light. You don't even have to have the garage door down so you can see the reflection of the lights off it. All right? If you have a bulb down by your feet that somebody wires in, if that bulb is lit, then that shifter should move. My suspicion is the, the easiest, most common failure for this generation car, and I want to leave you with this, is that the garage the um the garage doors, the brake light switches go bad and they duplicate this condition. All right. Okay. They, they, they won't let it shift. Because beyond that, then you start to get into all of the electronics that I'm talking about, the shifter controls. Are on the shifter Mm -hmm. assembly and it gets expensive. So let's go for simple stuff, basic diagnostics first. And um,
10: absolutely.
5: And and obviously, I'll, I'll close. I'll really close it out here. Obviously, the the most important thing is once you get it out of gear and you're driving, if the if the brake light switch is intermittent in that it won't release the shift solenoid to let you shift, you may not have brake lights. So oh, right, that
10: would be bad. Yeah,
5: that would be bad um you could get your new car quicker that way though um provided somebody (laughs) runs into you and you don't get hurt uh um, so you get my point some basic diagnostics this isn't a tough one to fix it really isn't somebody's got to make an effort all right Eunice
10: okay thank you
5: you're very welcome you take good care yeah listen diagnostics aren't hard it's you know you got to think outside the box um that's all that's all it's really about uh, you know, that's just, there, there's no tried or true reason, rhyme or reason about why and how we do things uh, when it comes to fixing cars. Uh, I always say, take the system apart, take it apart in your head, take it apart, put it on a bench, take the component out of the car. How would you test it if it was sitting on the bench? How would you test it if you were the only last person on earth and you couldn't go look at the brake lights? I'd either have the garage door down and look at the reflection or I'd put wire a bulb in under the dash. The answer of we can't fix it if it's not broke isn't always true. And I want to I I make that point very clear. Um, coming up a little bit, matter of fact, next segment, we're going to be joined by Mac Bu- Matt Buchholz, who's the president of uh, Motorrad America, and Tom Hickey, who's the director of the Massachusetts Right to Repair Coalition. They're going to be stopping by to talk to us about right to repair and the implications. You know, right to repair is right up there as a hot button topic in the industry, along with your car, your data. Uh, you know, there's a lot of going on behind the scenes that you may or may not be aware of. You know, do you, will you have the option of where you take your car to be repaired in the coming years? Do you have access to all the information of your car? Do you know that your car company is selling information on you? They're collecting information. And we might get into that topic of conversation, too, making you aware that the car companies are... Well, let's see. You know, with all the electronics and all the sensors that are on vehicles today, they know what radio stations you're listening to. They know whether or not you've got your seatbelt on, where your headrest is positioned, where the seat's positioned. They can gather an awful lot of information about you um, and your choices uh, just simply by looking at car data, and that's part of that conversation as well. But. All that and more coming up in the next segment. Matt Buchholz, Tom Hickey, director of the Massachusetts Rights Repair Coalition, will be stopping by. I'm Ronan Annie, the car doctor, and uh, I'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
2: Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast.
5: Hey, hey, hey! We're back. with are Ron Anini and the car doctor at your service. We're, we're, you know, right to repair is a topic that comes up quite a bit here on the show and out there in the world too. We, we seem to be talking about it from time to time. It's, it's stirring its head again. It's once again it's up in Massachusetts. The folks up in Massachusetts are continuing the fight and uh, trying to uh, get everybody educated about the importance of it. And I thought I would reach out to two gentlemen that are directly involved with it. Matt Buchholz, he's the president of and general manager of Motorade of America, and Tom Hickey who's the director of Massachusetts right to repair coalition. Gentlemen, welcome.
11: Thanks for having thank you, me. You,
5: you, you're very welcome. I noticed you guys were very diplomatic. Nobody wanted to step on each other. That was great. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's okay. It's going to happen. It's going to happen today. Trust me, Matt, let me start with you. Um, you know, talk a little bit about right to repair. What is it and why is it so
12: important? Yeah. Th- thank you, Ron. And thanks for having me on the show. It's, it's so important uh, to me and to Motorad, uh, of course, as a, as a driver of a car and, yeah, uh, you know, it it helps to have the freedom of choice to where I want to repair my car and and to own the data and where that data transmits. It's so important. What- and then from a manufacturer's uh, perspective, you know, it's uh, it's gosh, it's so it's so important to us because we we want to have a, a free market that we can distribute in and multiple distribution points so that. People that want to buy a Motorrad product, they can they can have a choice on, on where and who they want to buy that product from.
5: Matt, be you know, touch a little bit. Can you just elaborate a little bit before we continue about um, when you say your data? What what do you mean your data? What data?
12: Well, yeah, you know, Tommy may be more of an expert on what data is being shared with the manufacturers, but we I don't know, and we don't know as drivers how much data is being captured in our car, and but also being transmitted. Uh, to you know, to the the car maker, and in order for cars to re- be repaired properly, that data has to be. We have to be able to control who is seeing and viewing
11: and uh, and has control of that data.
5: Tommy, can you add anything to that?
11: Sure. So w- what's being collected by the car manufacturers? We've just started to dive into to, to specifics. I mean. Uh, in this year, 2020, up to 90% of new cars have this telematic capabilities. And telematics is a wireless communication system that gives car manufacturers real-time um, diagnostics and repair information, but it also gives them more information, driver behavior, um, uh, health of cars, uh, it could even be GPS. I mean, there's a lot of information that car manufacturers are collecting, um, what our initiative in, in, in Massachusetts would do would be limited to diagnostic repair information. Um, but as Matt was touching on, it's imperative that a car owner have access to all that they need to fix the car. Um, having an entity like the car manufacturers be the only ones that collect this information, disseminate, disseminate this information, uh, is inherently wrong to us. Because we do believe if you buy the car, uh, you should get all the information necessary to fix it. It,
5: it. And maybe this isn't so much right to repair, but just to give everybody an example of what your data might be an example of um i had read somewhere that when you get into such an equipped vehicle they can tell seat position seat belt buckled um you know length of time you left the car idling they can tell all these things about you uh you know if they were to track it if they wanted to analyze it if they needed to if the car got into a crash they can look at the seconds before and the time after is that is that a true statement
11: yeah i think uh it's it's uh... a <laughs> It's a reality that people are just starting to realize in terms of what is being collected. Um, I tell people now, listen, your car is not your your grandfather's car. Your car is now a computer on wheels. It has sensors all over the car. It's more computers. It's gigabytes being sent directly to the car manufacturer. That's just the new technology we're faced with. And and look, technology has its pros and cons, I I understand. But at the end of the day, this is a technology that's not going to go away. It's like a cell phone at this point. Um, it's just going to continue to build. And, and from our standpoint in and, and the Massachusetts Right to Repair Coalition, uh, we're really after giving this information to the owner because we do believe that the owner should have access and they should control where this information goes. And, and I think this initiative in Massachusetts that we're working on is just scratching the surface in terms of what car manufacturers collecting and what they're doing with it.
5: Yeah, I mean, you buy the car, you should own the car, right? You're not licensing the car, at least not yet. Um, I agree. Yeah, and I, if, I, if, I think you're right. And if,
11: if you have the... If you have to pay for the repairs of the car, I think you have to have choice. And, and without choice, and that's what really right-to-repair is about. Uh, your right to choose where to get your car fixed. So, um, because without that right, we all know what happens. Prices go up.
5: So what's the current state of the battle? You know, Can you give us an overview of what's going on in Massachusetts and how you think it's going so far?
11: Sure. So just to give a quick overview, we passed the original right-to-repair law in 2012. Um, we passed an under ballot initiative at 86%. It is the highest passing ballot initiative in Massachusetts history. Uh, we joke you can't get 9 out of 10 people to agree on anything, uh, like drinking enough water during the day. But, you know, when it came to car repair choice, Massachusetts spoke. Um, they wanted the ability to go to their local independent repair shops and not have it to pay the dealerships. We all know dealerships are um, can be more expensive and a little bit less convenient. So um, we passed the right to repair law, 86%, and there was a car vote in the right to repair law for any wireless communication system, remote diagnostics and this system that I was referring to earlier called telematics. And right now in 2020, 90% of new cars have this ability, meaning that the independent repair and car owners are shut out of this wireless diagnostic repair information, giving the car manufacturers a monopoly um, on this, on this information a monopoly on the repair market as we move to a wireless society. This ballot initiative would give, owners direct access to their diagnostic or repair information and with their authorization that car owner authorization uh, allow them to share that with independent repair or a dealer of their uh, choice and, and that's really what this is about this is about putting the information in the owners hands being letting them be the gatekeepers information and uh, choosing to what they voted for in 2012 was to get their car fixed where they want
5: right and and give people choice cuz People need choice. Listen, some people like the dealer. Some people like their guy on the corner. You know, it's it's isn't that what the country's about, right? Freedom of choice. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. So it it, it, it makes sense. Has the independent auto care industry been involved? Because I know they do some of these. They get involved in some of this stuff, too.
11: Yeah, the auto care industry is, is, is huge. I mean, they're the defenders of the independent repair shops. Um, we're a coalition of 1,600 independent repair shops. Uh, Here in Massachusetts, we represent 40,000 jobs just alone in Massachusetts in the aftermarket. Yeah, that was Um, that was my next
5: question. How does, you know, uh, in Massachusetts alone, talk about the economy of this and what would happen if this didn't exist, the idea of right to repair?
11: Yeah, I think I think you have 40,000 jobs here on the line here in Massachusetts. They're in jeopardy if they can't get up to date technology. We're a coalition of people that fix cars for a living. If they're the more efficient way of fixing a car. If there's a new technology to fix a car, we need access to that. Without that, you go back to pre-2012. Pre-2012, there was 26 different car manufacturers giving 26 different ways of fixing a car. And honestly, besides withholding information in independent repair shops, they were pricing independent repairs out because they all had their own tools, their own methods, their own codes, etc. cetera. Right. Um, we passed 2012, and, and now we have this new loophole that's a new system a new system of information that is unregulated closed system and it brings us right back to that where the independent repair is at the mercy of car manufacturers and we think that's inherently wrong we want the owner to be in charge of that right
12: and you know
5: I've said for years and this is sort of what we're talking about in that if the independent automotive aftermarket didn't exist the economy of the country never mind just Massachusetts wouldn't exist because it's a it's a it's a multi-billion with a B industry dollar industry um, and it's it, people have to realize that, you know, we're, we're, we're really voting for freedom, but, you know, the survival of, 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 of the economic factor that's involved in it, too. Hey, Tom, Matt, can you guys uh, uh, stand by and hold on? Let me pull over, take a pause. And when we come back, Matt, uh, Tom, when we come back, Tom or Matt, whichever, I want to know a little bit about, you know, who's opposing the ballot question and how the Right to Repair Committee is working for a response. So you guys ponder that. I'm Ron Anini in The Car Doctor. We're going to pull over and take a pause and be back right after this.
3: Do you love Selena?
6: Like, really love?
3: Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano.
6: Listen to
9: Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And
6: me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
5: We are back. Welcome back. We're on the Car Doctor. We're here with Matt Buchholz. He's the President and GM of Motorrad of America. And Tom Hickey, he's the Director of the Massachusetts Right to Repair Coalition. Gentlemen, when we pulled away for the pause, the conversation was leaning towards, you know, who's opposing the ballot question of right to repair and has the right to repair committee, you know, are they prepared to respond? Like, you know, how is this going to shape out? Do you know either one of you, Tom, Matt, somebody go.
11: Tom, um, Sure. So, so, so the, on the other side of the, the, the no on one side um, of the right to repair initiative is is the car manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Um, as we stated, this is worth billions of dollars to them to control the repair market. Um, when we passed the right to repair law in 2013, um, they knew they were moving to this, this wireless car system. They knew they would find a way to circumvent this because at the end of the day, um, it's all about the bottom line. It's all about profits. Um, if this does not pass, car manufacturers will have a monopoly on the, on the repair market as we move to over the Internet fixes and wireless codes. Uh, and firewalls, et cetera, that, that are in cars right now. Um, so you have your GMs, your Fords, your Toyotas, your Subarus, your Nissans, um, and, and just recently the, the car dealers, uh, your Herb Chambers. Um, because, look, at the end of the day, if this doesn't pass, there'll be a lot of business because you're, sooner or later your, your only location, your only destination to get your car fixed will be a dealership.
5: Right. So I guess the question of if you're successful – you know, how does the, the first question was talking about right to repair? How does Massachusetts right to repair winning the battle? How does that affect the rest of the country?
11: So in 2012, Massachusetts was the first in the nation to pass the right to repair law. We actually created the moniker, which has now been used for you know, such things as iPhones and, and computers and household appliances uh, because of how powerful the movement is then. But understand we were the first in in Massachusetts for the auto right to repair. Um, And then we signed an MOU in 2013 for 49 other states to follow this Massachusetts law. And since I've heard it's actually gone all the way to Australia and and worldwide. Um, So you know, Massachusetts is a battleground state. We're a consumer state, uh, and we hope to have the same impact. I I think legislation has been filed federally and, and by state in terms of how this wireless communication telematics should be dealt with in cars. But I don't think there's been a lot of traction uh, and in Massachusetts, when we pass this, uh, I, I think you'll see the, the rest of the nation follow along.
5: And I think it's going to have a very big impact from what you're saying. Let me let me go to Matt for a minute, Matt. Um, you know, depending upon which way this goes, in my in my last couple of minutes here, how can this issue affect companies like Motorrad, for example? That's this this has to be something you guys are watching very closely.
12: Yeah, I, I'm concerned about it. Um, you know it 's frightening when you think about the possibility of a monopoly and what that can do to a supply chain and, and we sell we 're supplying car manufacturers in the aftermarket we saw both sides and we supply them quality parts um, on, on both sides of the fence and uh, we we supply our products to you know o- over thirty thousand different distribution points you know, which feed a, a supply chain of hundreds of thousands of shops and when you think about when somebody's car needs to be repaired, whether it's my wife or uh, somebody else's mother or grandmother, you know in some parts of the country, they can't get to a dealership very quickly uh, and they and they need to get their car repaired to get back on the road right or in some cases the the dealership you might have to wait they might have a, a one or two week backlog until they can get they they can repair a car so i I think it, it raises a lot of concerns. Um, the economics of it all do, you know, just simply don't work. What, it's gonna, what it could do to pricing on a, on a product like ours uh, doesn't work uh, for the consumer. Uh, so just the concentration or isolation of the distribution and supply chain and uh, it could have detrimental effects um, you know, to drivers, to the everyday driver.
5: Because the bottom line is, gentlemen, there's more than enough cars to go around for everybody and we're just trying to you're just trying to make this easier for the consumer so that they have that choice and uh, from a wide range right from the economy of how it would affect a company like motorrad from uh, you know the idea of giving the consumer a a choice a place to go um out of courtesy you know on a quick aside my wife's 2018 explorer needed a software update for the air conditioning and the heater controls and i could have done it in the shop but i figured it was under warranty and Sometimes you want to go see how the other half lives, right? You want to see how it, how it's going to work, is what your customers go through, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I sent it up to the right. local Ford dealer. Um, the first time they had the car for two weeks uh, for a simple refresh. What I, well, I shouldn't say simple. No refresh seems to be simple. I shouldn't use those two words together. So they had the car two weeks, and I said, I don't think it's a reflash, even though you're telling me, to me, this is a, well, no, we got to follow procedure. They followed Ford procedure. I'm not knocking Ford. They had their procedure. I get it. I pulled the car out. I went to the car wash. I came out of the car wash. It's broken. It did it again. Took it back a second time. They had the car for another two and a half weeks. My wife lost her car for four and a half weeks. Doesn't matter. She's got cars to drive. That's not the issue. But I, I learned a lot. I learned how efficient an independent shop can be at times. I'm not saying we're all like this, and I'm not saying all the dealers are like this. I'm just saying here's one example. And it, it, it stresses to me there has to be a freedom of choice because imagine if everybody had to go through that for each and every repair and um, we'll, we'll, we'll leave the story there. Comments for another day. Gentlemen, where can the listeners go get more information? Um, uh, Matt, Tom, if they if they want to help this cause, if they want to go read more about it.
11: Tom? Yeah, um, you can visit our website at Uh We have a lot of information out. Um, there's a lot of advertisements on TV if you do live in Massachusetts. Um, but listen, I think this is an education campaign. I think a lot of, car owners don't know what their new cars are collecting i don't think they realize what that risk um and i think it's important for them to do their research go on our website uh you can google telematics and and wireless communications from a car look at just look at what the car manufacturers and car dealers are giving you in terms of paperwork when you when you do sign for a new car um but i urge people to do their research and and vote yes on this campaign because even if you don't live on massachusetts this is this is the beginning of a huge precedent Uh, in getting, you know, other states involved in making sure this is a national effort to defend a consumer's right to choose to get with to get their car. Great.
5: Gentlemen, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. I'm Ron Enning, The Car Doctor. We are back right after this.
3: Do you love Selena?
6: Like really love?
3: Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano.
6: And Stan, we do over three whole episodes
2: of our podcast, Becoming an Icon.
3: We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.
1: Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless.
6: Listen
9: to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and
6: me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
5: Welcome back, Ron and on The Car Doctor. Once again, thank you to Matt Buchholz and Tom Hickey of uh, Right to Repair and Motorrad, respectively. You know, the issue will rage on, and hopefully it will stir some fires and make us all aware of what we need to do in order to, well, you know, freedom of choice, but also to get proper repairs done. And that's what's at stake here. There's there's a a couple of different soapboxes to stand on, ranging anywhere from freedom of choice to national security to being able to take your car where and when you want. And uh, don't forget your data, too. They were looking at that. So, a lot to think about, a lot to talk about. Till the next time, I'm Ron and in the Car Doctor, thanking you for being here, reminding you the mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.